0: The sermon for today comes from Acts chapter 13. We're going to be looking at verse 38. This is actually towards the very end of a sermon that the Apostle Paul was writing, or that was the Apostle Paul was preaching. Um, and we're going to see not only the end of the sermon, but we're going to see the reaction to it and what happened because of it. So again, Acts chapter 13, starting at verse 38. It says, Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets had said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. This is the word of our Lord. For the last few decades, there has been a big push for businesses to establish a clear mission and vision for themselves. When a company feels that they are not moving forward, if their sales have plateaued or started to decline, it's time to make sure that everyone on the boat is rowing together in the same direction. Um, A negative example of that would be if you go to a restaurant and there is a menu with 100 pages long, and most critics would say that is a bad idea because with so many options, the, the cooks just can't get each platter right. Mm-hmm. Now contrast that with a place like Papa John's. Papa John's company came to success because they were very clear on their purpose. You can check it out on their website. What they say there, their focus is, they say, we must keep the main thing, the main thing. Well, what's the main thing for Papa John's? Pizza, right? Yeah, it's pizza. They're going to put all their efforts into one thing. Better ingredients, having better pizza for their people. It's not about garlic bread. It's not about cheesy bread. It's not about breadsticks. It's not about chicken wings. It's about pizza. They want to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, as Christians and as a church, if we are to keep the main thing the main thing, what is it? What are we all about? It's not about children's programs. It's not about helping people out in the community. It's not about doing good works and helping others. No, it's all about forgiveness that comes through Jesus. Forgiveness, that's what it is. The Apostle Paul was preaching to a group of people, a group of unbelievers who had forgotten about the whole purpose of why they were doing what they were doing. They were a group of Jews who were following the law of Moses. They had the Old Testament with them. They were following what Moses told them to do. And so they were not working on the Sabbath. They were eating what they were supposed to eat, not eating what they weren't supposed to eat. But they had forgotten about the reason why. They had forgotten about the Messiah. They had forgotten about the forgiveness of sins that was coming. And so the Apostle Paul preaches this sermon to these people to remind them about the main thing, to remind them about what it's all about. And so he says this. He says this as you see in the in the uh, earlier part of this chapter. He starts connecting the dots from the history to bring them back to the present time. He goes all the way back two thousand years before Jesus was even around, to the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then he connects the dots further. 450 years later to Moses and the Israelites and how God was guiding things there and he he moves forward another 500 years to David and Saul and how God was guiding things there until he finally gets to Jesus. The person who they knew had just been crucified and just died for them. He reminds them that that person is the Messiah, the Savior who was to come, who lived the perfect life for you in your place, who died a death for you and suffered for you, who rose for you to give you the forgiveness of sins. He reminded them of what the main thing was. And he says this in verse 39, through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you are not able to obtain under the law of Moses. See, the law of Moses was given to them so that they could focus on the Savior who is going to come, the Messiah who would come to give them the forgiveness of sins. But rather they turned it into something that they thought that if we simply do these things, what the Bible says, well, then we'll be able to earn a closer relationship with God. And forgotten about the main thing. It's all about forgiveness. As Christians, or as a church, do we at times forget about the main thing? Do we forget about what we're all about here? If you think about it, the last couple of weeks we've been doing ministry plans, right? We've been planning out the year what's going to be happening, different events, and and why do we do that? Well, so that we can have planned events and and different things throughout the year so that we can meet more people, tell them about their Savior so that they can be assured of the forgiveness of sins. Why do we have Bible studies? Why do we plan them out? Well, so that you can grow in faith and understanding of God's Word so that you can be more sure of the forgiveness of sins. Why do you give your offerings to the church? Well, so that we can continue ministry and continue to, so that you can be continued to be assured of the forgiveness of sins through the preaching of word and sacrament and so that others can continue to be, to hear that message of forgiveness. Everything, we talk about the children's programs, the, the cleanliness of the building, everything really comes down to, in some way, shape, or form, forgiveness. When it comes to Papa John's, they're a pizza place. So it makes sense that the main thing for them is going to be pizza. And I think we can say the same thing about a church and Christians. Well, we're Christians, so it makes sense that the main thing for us is going to be forgiveness. So how did they miss the point? They had forgotten about the seriousness of sin. They didn't understand God's perspective on sin. So, Paul had to remind them. And he goes in our lesson, he talks about sin so that they understand the seriousness of their sin, so that they realize the need that they have for a Savior and for forgiveness. And so he starts out in verse 40, giving them a warning. He says, Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. Sin is a serious issue. God takes sin very seriously, so seriously, in fact, that people go to hell for an eternity because of sins, according to what the Bible tells us. And if a person mistakes God's patience, for ignorance about sin, or if a person mistakes God's patience for a lackadaisical attitude towards sin, they're not going to have even a desire for forgiveness. They won't even understand a need for forgiveness if they don't understand the seriousness of their sin. You are, you know, Paul was preaching to a group of unbelievers, and so I'm not going to treat you like unbelievers, like he did in our lesson for today you understand the seriousness of sin. You appreciate forgiveness, otherwise you wouldn't have come today. And yet at the same time, I think we can have a false sense of security regarding temptation and sin. It can be very easy for us, as we think about temptation, the definition of temptation is Satan convincing us that the things that we do isn't that big of a deal. That go ahead, follow your heart, do what you want to do, be happy. Other people are doing it anyways. God is love after all. Go ahead and and be what you want to be, do what you want to do. That's temptation. But the Bible reminds us of what sin does to our faith. It not only can hurt our faith, it can destroy our faith. So sin is not something that we want to play with, ever. So if you are struggling with an addiction, if you are dealing with a specific sin in your life, Do what Paul says here. Listen to this this warning. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. See, it's not that forgiveness runs out. It's that if we don't treat sin seriously, it's that we won't even have a desire for forgiveness. Once a person gains an understanding of the seriousness of sin, that's when we see what happens what happened in our lesson. If you look again at verse 44, it says this. on the next Sabbath, that's the week after Paul preached the sermon. It says, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Could you imagine that if in real time that happened today, if the entire city came out to hear God's word? I don't know about you, but the best time to travel in New York City on the roads is Sunday morning. Why? Because people aren't in a rush to go and hear the assurance of the forgiveness of sins. But thank God that our forgiveness does not depend on how much we appreciate the forgiveness of sins or how excited we are or aren't to receive it. Rather, what Paul says in our lesson is that the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. It's proclaimed to you not because you dragged your limp body out of bed this morning to be here. It's proclaimed to you not because in the last... In the last verse of the last hymn, you sang with a little extra vigor and volume. That's not why you have forgiveness. You live in a constant state of forgiveness because of what your Savior did for you in the past. See, forgiveness is yours not because of things that happen in the present, but it's yours because of what transpired in the past. where our Savior came, and he lived in your place for your life because you couldn't live perfectly according to the law of God. He did that for you until finally he went to the cross for you to suffer the death that you deserve. But he suffered it for you in your place. And he took away your sins. And Easter morning, when our Savior rose from the dead, is the day that you can see the proof of the fact that your sins are forgiven. And you can be completely assured that every last one of your sins are forgiven. It's like our Savior gave to us a a prepaid credit card with an unlimited amount of cash backing it up to forgive you of each and every one of your sins, even before you commit them. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wow, that's, that's too good to be true. In fact, that's so good that people will abuse God's love and forgiveness. Well, it is true. And yes, people, even we at times, will take advantage of God's unconditional love and forgiveness. But he gives it to us anyways. It's all about forgiveness for Jesus, for us and for others. So if, you are, if there is a specific sin in your past that continues to bother you, guilt that continues to build up in your heart, if there is a specific temptation that you are struggling with, I'm going to suggest to you to confess that sin to me personally, to Pastor, Pastor Tim. Or to another Christian. And I want you to think, when you talk about confession, a lot of times people say, oh, that's so Catholic. It's not Catholic. It's biblical. And it's something that, that a person can do because we realize the power of confessing your sins. Satan hates the fact that Christians confess their sins to other Christians, and I'll tell you why. Because guilt that builds up inside of a person, as Satan works hard to build up that guilt inside of someone for something that they did in the past, that guilt cannot stand to the promises of God and forgiveness that are proclaimed to that person. And Satan hates confession when a person is struggling with a temptation. Because it's a lot more difficult to tempt someone when it's not just one person up against Satan, but it's two Christians up against Satan a lot more difficult. It's all about forgiveness for you, for me, and for others. In in verse 46, the Apostle Paul takes that message of forgiveness to others now. And we see something, uh, a word specifically that we see there. It says, Paul and Barnabas, they spoke boldly. Now today, if this sermon would have been preached to a group of unbelievers here in New York City. Let's say Central Park, there's hundreds of unbelievers there listening to the sermon. This sermon would have been considered unloving, harsh, and not politically correct, not even close. Because what Paul was telling them, well, he, first of all, he called them scoffers and unbelievers. He told them everything you've ever believed in is wrong. And then he told them that if you continue to believe this, you're going to go to hell for an eternity. And you can try to say, well, that's just the way they were back then. They weren't politically correct. No, no, no. It has never been a good conversation when you tell someone that everything they've ever believed in is wrong. It never goes well when you tell someone that they're on their way to hell. But they knew that it had to be spoken, so they spoke boldly. Because they didn't understand even a need for forgiveness, so they had to understand the seriousness of their sin. It's all about forgiveness, right? Why didn't Paul just tell them that their sins were forgiven? Because they needed to know about sin. They needed to know about the seriousness of their sin. They had to have that need in their heart. They had to realize the problem before they could understand that there was even a need for a solution. Advertisements, professional salesmen today are are just incredible think what they're able to do to convince people of a need whether they actually have a need or not. Um, many of you don't know this about me but before I became a pastor as I was studying at the seminary one of my jobs was one of my part-time jobs was I was a telephone bill collector. You're all thinking, "Wow, that explains a lot," right? Well, one of our clients was uh, Rainbow Vacuums and we would we would call people. I don't know anything about Rainbow Vacuums. All I know is that they were very expensive vacuum cleaners that a lot of people with not very much money purchased. And I remember specifically calling one lady who had not made her payments for the last several months. And she said to me, listen, I don't have the money, and I don't have a carpet anyways. I said to her, well, why did you buy the vacuum? Well, she said, well, the salesman, he was so good, he really convinced me that I needed this thing, so I bought it. You know, But salesmen today, they are able to do that. They're con- able to convince people that they have a need, whether they have a need or not. And everybody you talk to, all of you, you have needs right in your life. But, but today, I want you to focus on the actual need, the only real need that you have in your life. And when it comes to other people in this world, they, they all have really just one need, and that's forgiveness. And the only way that people understand that need in their life is to help them to see the seriousness of their sin. I realize that one of the most uncomfortable conversations that you can have with a person is to talk to an unbelieving co-worker, an unbelieving family member about your faith. Because you can try to sugarcoat it as much as you want, but in the end, what you are saying to them, and they know this, is that everything you've ever believed in is wrong, and if you continue in this way, you're going to go in hell for eternity. They know that. You, can't, you really can't sugarcoat that message to anyone. And that's part of the reason why Christianity is such an intimidating religion. It is intimidating, and that's the reason why Christians are so timid about sharing their faith with others at times. But it's a message that needs to be proclaimed. They need to understand the seriousness of their sin so that they can see the need for a Savior and for forgiveness. you're not always going to give a positive response. The Apostle Paul did not. As you notice in our lesson what happened when he went and and preached that message to those people, um, it was the Jews who not only got jealous because of the incredible amount of people that were there, but they started contradicting what he said until finally Paul and Barnabas, they had to leave. But do you notice what happened? After they preached the message of law and gospel to those people, do you notice what happened? In verse 48, it says this: When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. I realize a person's timidness about sharing their faith with others, but also realize the privilege that you and I have to be able to take, to be able to be a tool that God uses. To realize a decision that God made about people since before the world was created. so That they can be assured of the forgiveness of sins. That is an incredible privilege. Think for a moment about your friends, your co-workers, some specific people in your life who are, who are unbelievers. And, and do not make the decision for them that, oh, they wouldn't be interested in Christianity anyways. That, that's not your decision. That's God's decision. There are plenty of opportunities that we have this next year to invite those different people to an event so that we can have the opportunity to share God's word with them. There are so many different ways that you can have opportunities to tell them personally about your faith, about the seriousness of sin. And we do all of this. In the end, it's all about forgiveness. Please stand.